Wannabe Sustainable Podcast friend Andrea Fox here with another episode of environmental podcast Age of Plastic. So far this series, which is series three, we've heard about plastic waste solutions in Malawi, sustainable interiors with Stitcher and plastic-free coffee from South America with Alpaca. And now we're delving into sustainable fashion. Uh, it is secondhand September right now, uh, helping Oxfam promote uh, their secondhand items. Now, have you got a great second-hand story behind an item you love? Or did you notice a difference maybe in your purchasing of clothes this year, what with the C-word, COVID-19? Why can't buying sustainable fashion just be easy and affordable for everyone? It's a shame, isn't it? It is getting better, but swaps and borrowing with your mates is another way that you can maybe stave off the fast fashion cravings. But not everyone is the same size or has the same sort of style as their closest friends. So that is where today's guest, New, comes in. N-U-W, New, is a brand new app for renting and sharing your clothes in your community to help reduce the environmental impact of fashion. I'm chatting to the founder and CEO, hashtag girlboss, uh, Ashling Byrne on today's episode. Uh, New, use the line... An open relationship with your wardrobe, which I love. Borrow, lend, swap. Perfect for summer weddings. Oh yes, but they didn't happen this year, did they? Well, I do chat to Ashling about that and how they've pivoted. Plus, we talk about Selfridges Department Store's new Planet Earth project, that misguided documentary, and our changing idea of fast fashion and supply chains. So let's kick off then with the idea behind New. When did it first start for you? Have you always worked in fashion or...? No, so I've always loved fashion and I guess leaving school I had really considered going into fashion design and I guess at that point I had only ever thought of it from a design perspective and I actually went and studied music so it was always going to be something in the arts. Um, I've obviously ended up doing something very different now <laughs> and found my way back to fashion but I guess to look at myself when I was 16 or um, really like into my 20s it was just I didn't know that things were fast fashion I just thought that they were fashion and I wanted a new outfit all the time and I thought that's how you live and we should all look good all the time and although there was a lot of sharing that went in our on in our group like we would never question going into the high street and just constantly buying clothes with the very little money that we had yeah um and so in 2013 I went to India with Suicide Educational Development which is um, a volunteering program where you spend eight weeks and then we traveled for a couple of weeks and so what I like about that program is you kind of go over and they're very aware that you're not going to be a white savior but they are very aware that you don't know how the rest of the world works and the kind of consequences for how we live as a society and so I think they had structured it quite well that you really got to delve into all of the issues that kind of affect a globalized world mm. and so when I was over there it was like this it was also the year of the Rana Plaza disaster so that was I guess oh, you know wow. it was the spotlight of global media and it was the first time that I had kind of woken up to actually this industry has a lot be- behind its facade and I was over there and I guess like me before I went I had heard about this um, marketplace in Delhi where they sell all the clothes that don't get over to Ireland or the UK or or kind Mm. of the US at a knockdown price and that would be maybe one pound equivalent and at the beginning of the summer I was like can't wait to go to this market it's going to be amazing we're going to bring back all this stuff the end of the summer I was in Delhi and I just have never felt so sick I just it was like I had learned everything about it and then I was just seeing this market full of clothes that may or may not go anywhere. There was all of this 
you know, human cost behind it. So many wonderful people that we had met that were our friends now that we could see being affected by this just constant production and everything that kind of goes along with it. And I guess when I got home, it just, I was in university at the time and it was just this really depressing kind of time in my life where I wanted to kind of tell people about everything and rant at them at parties and eventually nobody wanted to like listen to my rants at parties and then and then you kind of find yourself um like I guess it's a bit isolating finding out about you know sustainability and all the things that go on behind capitalism a lot and um you look at it as this big global problem and how can I fix it as just as just one person and so how new came about was myself and Ali who I was in university with and we're just great friends she was also in India at the time and she was actually um she was placed in Delhi for the whole program and she had gone and and gone to a garment factory and had quite a um a changing experience there as well like really seeing firsthand what was going on and we just got talking about everything that we felt and the things that we had seen and it felt really good to to understand that other people felt like that when we were you know in a world where um you know seven years ago sustainable fashion like was not on the agenda like it is today Mm. and we just started thinking about what can we do to change this and we had loads of different ideas and we were taking on the global fashion industry like from day one and all these different things were going on and we kind of realized that like actually we can't really access a lot of the sustainable options and we didn't have the kind of purchasing power and one thing that frustrated us was that we had a wardrobe full of clothes and we had the kind of will to want to do something about it but we felt that we kind of kept we were kept a little bit out of that circle of change and I think that's something that can happen with this circular economy in general is that there is a concern that it can become elitist in in a sense if we don't ensure that sustainable solutions are accessible to all and as we were just kind of chatting through all of this there was um, a ball coming up and of course I just went to Ali's closet and like took out all of her clothes and like she did the same with mine and then I eventually <laughs> borrowed a dress as you do um it was just in that moment that we realized like we had already been solving the problem for years and actually we could kind of create our own ecosystem if we didn't necessarily agree with what was going on outside of us didn't we have resources already didn't couldn't we start where we are we didn't have to necessarily be other people or live different lifestyles but we could actually start to make a change with the wardrobe that we already have and then that's really where the concept of new came from and our first trial was just getting people to email us photos of dresses that they had worn to the university ball the year before and we would then share it um we we did like a landing page and they would ask us if they could borrow it and then we just educated people on the kind of carbon and water offset that comes with that and it it went really well it was like a really um a really really nice trial and kind of from then it's grown and like obviously with COVID-19 we've changed a lot which I'm sure we'll kind of go into (laughs) later on everyone I've spoken to so far for series three brings up COVID before I do but yes obviously (laughs) we're gonna have to talk about COVID (laughs) yeah yeah at some point but it was I guess it was just you know wanting fashion to be different and never wanting fashion to not exist because of you know the harm and and um the kind of human and environmental cost that goes with it and just um, I guess we find ourselves in in a place where we feel that there's so many people like us and we want to solve we want to bring to to the front a solution that people like us can access as well yeah totally and um I love that story though that it started at uni because just suddenly as you were talking about that I was like oh it's like Facebook starting off as like the hot or not page <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it's just it's very organic which I think is quite nice and 
um new how it works essentially is um yes i was going to say people sharing. haven't seen it yeah what, what yeah you, i can give a bit of an intro like? Um, hmm. So essentially, it's a it's a bit of a social network in itself. So it's it's kind of a social network to be able to share and now swap your clothes. So as a member, you join as a community member and you pay a flat monthly subscription fee. So that's seven ninety nine pounds, nine ninety nine uh, euros per month. And once you're a member and you upload your own items to kind of contribute to the platform to be able to lend out or swap yourself, then you can begin um, borrowing and swapping from other people. So it's emulating that feeling of sharing with friends so everyone kind of contributes and everyone shares and then in that nobody else pays any any money within that so once you're a member all sharing and swapping on the platform is free and that was kind of a lot of the key to like our accessibility and and why we wanted to to build it like that and Mm. I guess why it's become so organic and why a university was the perfect place to start was because those kind of networks were starting anyway but just sometimes it was actually quite difficult to do or like you're chasing someone up for something or one thing that we used to do and, and what a lot of young people do now actually which is really great is they'll go through each other's social media's profiles and they'll just screenshot things and put them in the group whatsapp groups to be like can I borrow this <laughs> and like it's just such a long um process that they that people will go through um to ultimately create an action that often isn't done simply because of sustainability it's just because you know, people love to share clothes, but the mm. the environmental impact that comes behind that um is great because you know essentially we're using the resources that we already have. Um, yeah. So yeah, it was it was brilliant to be able to start at university, and what we initially did was swap shops, and we did a lot of swap shops because we just wanted yes. to educate people mm. and just have fun, get a feel for like, do people know about sustainable fashion? Are people willing to swap with strangers? Essentially, like, how do you create that sense of community? And there was so many people interested. And this was kind of at a time that, especially because we would have started in Dublin, um, you know, mm. not that many people knew about sustainable fashion and there wasn't really a huge amount of accessible alternatives. So it was it was really great to kind of see the start of that community. And for our first trial, when we did it um, in Trinity College, it was amazing to see just how many people would contribute pieces when you frame it as what are the pieces in your wardrobe that are not getting any love and how can you kind of add to that story and I guess it's about framing as well like the social life that our clothes have the responsibility that we have to give our clothes the life that they deserve and because there's already that network and that trust um new is really able to kind of thrive in those kinds of environments especially like workplaces even local communities like in East London it was really great to see how many people wanted to join new, not just for clothes or just for sustainability, but also for the feeling of community in their own area, which I think mm. can sometimes get lost. And so it's important for us when we're building an app to kind of really keep community at the heart of it and our focus mm. and to make it feel like social. Yeah, and fun. And, and that's one of the things about fashion. It's a huge like contributor, as you've already mentioned, to like greenhouse gases and to climate change but it's also and I think travel is the same thing but travel is so good for the soul and fashion is such a wonderful expression it's such Mm. a creative artistic fun thing and I think sometimes in sustainability we forget to sort of go look people aren't gonna just wear hemp bags and never leave the country again so what are the best ways the least damaging the most sustainable ways we can do things and new is just a new and excuse the pun <laughs> lovely part of that sort of whole sustainable fashion story isn't it yeah and I think it's trying to change the narrative around sustainable fashion which the mainstream fashion industry you know have worked so hard to, <laughs> to kind of make us feel that sustainable fashion is 
like you say, you know, wearing certain types of materials that it's never going to look as good as mainstream fashion that, you know, you can't look, you can't wear the same outfit twice or that says something about you. And it's just, um, it's like a really damaging narrative for sustainable fashion in general. But I think how we frame it going forward is, is like, not looking at it as like an either or that it's either sustainable or it's not sustainable because it's so difficult to find something that's like a hundred percent sustainable and ethical at the same time like the industry itself is just so uh, complex and kind of deliberately opaque and I think what can happen a lot of the time is that people with their best intentions are going out and looking for pieces that they feel or think are sustainable and then they're finding out something else in that supply chain or something else with that brand is going going wrong and they they're like, okay, well, what, what was my effort? It's like, what did I do? And then I'll just go and, you know, like, I'm, I'm not going to try anymore. And I think it's really important to have this really broad set of sustainable solutions as well, that you can purchase pieces that are sustainable, that you can share pieces, mm-hmm. that you can swap them, that you could then resell them, that there's a whole wardrobe that you have and not one solution is going to fit that entire wardrobe, but that there's a broad set of solutions. And if you look at the fast fashion industry, that's one solution and it's highly competitive and everything everyone buys into that and so it becomes cheaper and cheaper and cheaper and cheaper but with sustainability what we need is a really broad set of diverse solutions that everyone can really get involved in depending on who they are where they live and then to be able to kind of have that freedom of choice and to just not think of sustainable fashion as one ideal that the mainstream fashion industry has kind of given to to you and and rather think of sustainable fashion which I like to think of it in a way is giving you control because it's not just about the design but it's about the use phase it's about how you love and wear your clothes how you mend and repair your clothes and actually Mm. sustainability I think falls on the person who owns those clothes a lot more like obviously brands need to be making clothes in a sustainable way but number one but if you're making yeah if you're making clothes in a sustainable way and those clothes are having the same life cycle as fast fashion we're still in a massive problem and so it's like getting a chance to kind of have that ownership um, is really important and also really empowering yeah. and doing it with like-minded people I think gives people the encouragement like we often just chat to members of new and and like I'm like I have loads of friends who are just like community members that were now friends but um it's just a, you just talk to people and you just feel like you get a second wind you're like actually the world is going to be okay because look at all these people doing all of these amazing things and look at all the people who got on board with like new solution and all of the other solutions that are out there um so it's that's so yeah it's just kind of reframing it a bit yeah and it's it can feel quite like the dark days of that's it I'm just gonna go and live in the woods everything's yeah so it's quite (laughs) nice to be like oh I'm not on my own (laughs) exactly yeah Um, and that thing you were saying about I nowadays if I see something um I tend to like not follow any fast fast fashion I tend to try and only follow sustainable fashion brands on like Instagram. But every now and then you'll get a sponsored ad and I'll be like, I love the look of that. It's in the sale. Let me just go and check their sustainable (laughs) rating. And then you find out it's rubbish and I'm like, oh, okay. But then, like you were saying, I ever lane... I've had lots of bad press about the way yeah. they've treated their staff recently, but they're supposedly a sustainable brand. Yeah, yeah. And same for Reformation as well. And it's like, just, you kind of feel like, I guess as someone who I wants tried to so support. Hard. Yeah, yeah, and, and you like, also feel like you supported those I brands as well. And, you. yes. <laughs> and you're like, what does this say about me? Like, what have we done? Where are we going? And it's just like, oh, it can just be very difficult. But I think part of the process is, is just this education piece it's like you might follow fast fashion brands you might buy fast fashion brands but 
if you're changing your habits in some way to use those more, mm. chat to your friends about it, educate your friends on it. Starting that conversation is so important. And if we look to how the days when we started new, um, kind of a swap shops, like in 2015, just like doing it on the side to how people talk about sustainable fashion today, you can't help but think everyone who got involved had a role in starting that conversation. Yeah. And that conversation is only going to get bigger. So starting where you are with what you have is the first step. And it's just really nice to kind of think that if you're going to swap something, you're most likely not going to buy something um, or you would buy less than you would have firsthand. Mm. And it's just it's just being able to kind of manage it in that way. It, I think it's important. Like it's really important for us to be kind of called out, to be educated, to make sure that we're not turning a blind eye, but also mm. not to get burnt out and um, to turn away from it. And I think there's a, a balance that needs to be struck with, with all these different movements that are happening that we need to keep people motivated to keep going as well and to not feel like, they yeah they they can't even face the problem because they were just not going to solve it that's such a good point about burnout in in all sorts of like you say all sorts of activism and things that are that are going on right now it, it can be so overwhelming that you don't want to get mm-hmm. to that point yeah no it just I think what is nice about doing this as a community mm. is that if you have bad days or you haven't you know done the right thing and sustainability if you're part of a community you can see all the change that everyone around you does as well and feeling a part of that, you have some sense of, um, I guess you're partaking in it even when you're absent. Because I think people do need to take breaks and people can't be perfect all of the time, mm. even though they do try to do that. And if you're part of a community, you know that someone is always picking it up. So yeah. like we're watching different people share a swap every day. And we're kind of thinking, that's so nice because, you know, from day to day there's always going to be people doing it they're not the same people all the time and it's Mm -hmm. kind of nice to know that on other people's behalf that as a community you can see the impact that's happening and it takes the kind of individual pressure off you which I think sustainability can often be um looked at as a very individual process and I think that's just very tough to kind of put that on people especially when you have massive brands you know, oh, yeah. responsible for 70% of what's happening in the it's, world. It's so true. I, I beat myself up sometimes. We recently got a car and I was like, oh, I feel so bad. And then Arja Barber, who I... We, oh, I, I love Arja. Yes, she's in some of yeah. your... Like, she's one of your models, essentially. Yeah, she? yeah. She's, she's the, always she's been platform. so supportive. And I mean, I myself have just learned so much from her. Oh, and she, like same. Her Patreon is amazing for yes. just delving into different issues, Um, which, yeah, it's been brilliant. Yeah, she's yeah. great. And I think I was feeling guilty about this car and then she shared something about like, you know you can't do it all yourself you know yeah it, like the top there are four companies that create something like four companies create 70 percent of all the greenhouse gases yeah and i was like yeah i'm doing my bit but i you know yeah exactly <laughs> that's all we can really do yeah. um i wanted to ask you as well whether you think fashion can never be sustainable and whether you think fast fashion could ever be sustainable because sustainable is kind of a slippery word and i guess by fast fashion i'm thinking high volume, low cost. So what are kind of your thoughts on that? Um, I think that fashion itself can definitely be sustainable and enjoyed in a sustainable way. I don't think fast fashion can be sustainable. And I think the concept of fast fashion is just built on exploitation um, of both people and the environment. Mm. So there was um, the Environmental Audit Committee did like an entire report called the Fixing Fashion Report. And in one of the hearings, um, there was a lot of brands that were called up and one of the brands was asked essentially, can you make um, a t-shirt 
for less than five pounds or four or five pounds while paying the living wage or minimum wage and while working within the the boundaries of our ecosystem and kind of like our environmental Mm. resources and the answer was no and we've thought a lot about this for new because fashion cannot be made cheaply and fairly and sustainably so the cost of clothes has to be higher there's really no way around that they have to be higher we have to stop exploiting garment workers they need to be paid a fair wage they need to work less hours and they need to have the same um job security that we would have in a place like the UK yeah on the other side people cannot afford to always partake in the fashion industry if all of those bars are held so high which they should be and so we need to come up with systems that then share the cost among people so that we can communally enjoy fashion but not necessarily need to own it um if you can afford to own it that's great um, but also that you are treating it right, that you're passing it on, that it's still kind of getting this life cycle. And so it seems that both sides of the system really need to change and they, they need to change together. Um, and this kind of concept of fast fashion that you are producing, even if it is made sustainably, overproducing millions and millions and you know billions of pieces of clothing each year, um, it doesn't make sense. And it's never going to be sustainable because we reached Earth Overshoot Day on the 22nd of August. Which I know, is, and it was like two days yeah. late. Woohoo! Yeah. After <laughs> all of the things that shut down this year, we managed two extra days. Yeah, yeah, which is so worrying. <laughs> and it's it's like we don't have the resources to, to produce this amount of stuff every year. Um, and fast fashion is, is, the model itself is just make lots of clothes, sell them really cheaply make people feel like they're off trying and get them to buy more things. We need to keep reusing those resources. Um, so I, I definitely feel that the concept of fashion, because if you take con- fashion back to what it is, it's just your second skin. It's you it's wearing something on your... <laughs> yeah, you wearing something on your body that, you, you know, expresses, you like lets you express yourself, lets you speak for yourself when you aren't speaking. Yep, lets kind you not of get arrested. Says, yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Very important point. <laughs> Number one. <laughs> Number two and expression. So, yeah. <laughs> Let's remember why we really wear clothes in the first place. Um, and so and so, can we do that in a sustainable way? Like, yeah, absolutely. But we need to change the, the model from the very start to the very end um, and, just, and just have that done in a responsible way and start thinking of new... I mean, we... I guess, like, we're very far into the concept of kind of not really owning clothes, like, for, you know, ex- an extended amount of time. Like, yeah. there's definitely parts of this capsule wardrobe where you have pieces that are staple and you want to keep for a long time. But um, it's really exciting, really fun and... I guess I kind of look at my wardrobe a lot now and I'm like, why did I, why is that even in the wardrobe? That needs to go have another life. And it lets you, um, I guess you want to get this balance of emotional attachment to your clothes and the ability to detach from your clothes when you know it's the right thing to do. And we kind of always talk about it much in the same as like relationships that you'll have. Some you'll have for your whole life. Some you'll have just for a time because they brought you joy and they're kind of ready to go now. Um, and, and that's, I think, important because right now we have no relationship with fast fashion. You, you, people don't, people forget that they even bought it or they buy it and will never wear it. And that's, that's the kind of stuff that we, I think the concept of fast fashion just, it needs to go. Yeah. People with, uh, you know, the labels still 
on the clothes in their wardrobe. Mum, if you're listening. Um, <laughs> um, I, I Obviously, I mentioned before we started chatting that um, after our guests on every podcast of The Age of Plastic, I do like an eco life hack, like a little thing, hopefully free or something I found out about that people might be able to take part in or be interested in. And new was definitely when I discovered new, probably end of last year, I was like, mm. oh, here's a great thing. Um, I'm actually thinking of putting some dresses on there and maybe hiring some for all the weddings I've got in 2020. Lol. Yeah. <laughs> uh, none of them have happened. Uh, I went to a mm. YouTube wedding the other day. That was very sad. Um, oh. I know. So basically what I'm getting at is 2020 has been a bit of a kicker. So how did you guys cope with that? How did you pivot for COVID-19? Yeah, so we had had like a lot of pieces being borrowed for social events and that would have been one of our main triggers. And we had we had some more kind of casual wear as well that, that would be borrowed Um but looking kind of like more mid-market pieces and, and different things like that. And so when COVID happened, we kind of took the, I guess, pretty early on, we were like, this is going to be here for a while. <laughs> like, sometimes you were hopeful that things would be back to normal in June. But I mean, now we're kind of looking at how is the world going to work for the next couple of years. And funnily enough, when we were looking at how we changed new, we went back to basically week two of when we started new, which in some ways was Oh my God, how did we do full circle? <laughs> but swapping was something like permanently swapping pieces. So essentially on new, you upload a piece that you would like to permanently part with and you get either a gold or a silver token. And then once you have that token, even before someone else has taken your piece, you can use that to take a piece off the platform as a swap. Okay. So this made a lot of sense because a lot of um, behavior sh- uh, shifted to online shopping during COVID-19. People were getting kind of bombarded bombarded people were going to reselling platforms a lot of the time yeah but those things over time can feel quite expensive and people often have um a huge wardrobe that they still have sitting there themselves or potentially they're not shifting on reseller sites either and so we thought we did a focus group with all of our members and we just said look we've always been into swapping it's always been our kind of physical event that we've run but how would you like to see it on the platform and they just loved the idea um, and what that really let people do was look at things that they're going to wear in their life as it is now and often kind of more casual pieces, things like jackets that they're not going to go out and buy this year mm. and a way to kind of, I guess, online shopping has been in some sense a bit of comfort for people during the pandemic. Oh it's yeah, like, it's that dopamine hit, isn't it? Yeah, it just makes you feel really happy to like have something new in your life because, you know, what else is going on, really? What else is there to do another yeah. day of sitting on the sofa? You're so right. Yeah. And so we just, we also wanted to just be able to give an alternative for that behavior that was sustainable and didn't give people kind of a sense of doom for the mm. world and doom for like how the climate is going. And then not even being able to enjoy the simple things that fashion really does bring to people and kind of how psychologically it makes you feel better in yourself when you do yeah. have those different bits of additions to your kind of like personal wardrobe and you can kind of love things that you know you do need those things to keep going so we brought in the swapping feature and that's just taken off so there's still borrowing available on the platform which people have been doing from time to time but obviously a way lower um need to do to actually do that yeah, there just isn't so, the demand right now is there yeah yeah and we've looked in a lot to our logistics so we did partnerships with parcel motel in ireland and ups um and bike delivery companies then in london as well because a lot of mm. our meetups used to be in person and um, mm. so we still want to look for the kind of lowest carbon way to do that um yeah. as well being able to be contactless so we've just been really really surprised and really delighted at how actually throughout our journey we've been understanding things about how people want to share and swap not knowing that actually this is how it would turn out or not knowing that 
actually this is the reason why we could survive a pandemic like this so mm. it's been it's been really exciting and um yeah I've swapped a good few bits on the platform <laughs> since it started so I'm like so happy <laughs> I've just been like clearing out my wardrobe completely and be like don't need that don't need that don't need that oh like I've got this these new awesome boots that I've been looking for for so long I just wanted this like pair of thigh high velvet boots um, mm. and one of the girls is swapping them so I was just like oh this is like the answer to Jump all my prayers <laughs> yeah. yeah that's so funny because I mean I've been seeing people dumping stuff out chari- outside charity shops yeah like, no because obviously that's what everyone did at the start of lockdown they were like well what can I do in the house let's tidy mm-hmm. up but it was so funny because I was going to ask you what your sort of like favorite things that you've swapped or rented or that you've put up on the on the new app were so yeah those boots <laughs> yeah so like those boots yeah definitely the favorite bit that I have um swapped then there was like a coach bag that's gone out for swapping as well it's like um yeah just a really nice like beach bag so that's gone and, and been kind of swapped that's off to have its new life um I also had this uh blue maxi dress that's like it's from Folkster so it's uh like an Irish boutique but I guess it's uh I don't know what you kind of like describe it as as in the UK but it's like just like barely mid-market like run of the mill like maybe a top show boutique look like um and I like love that dress but I've only worn it a couple of times when I was on holidays and mm. that's been borrowed 18 times at this point wow so it's been yeah it's been to like Bali it's gone to San Francisco Barcelona all over the UK to like a load of balls and dinners and weddings wow and I like I'm obviously never gonna permanently give away that piece because now it just Hmm. has so many stories (laughs) and there was a piece about it in the Irish Times because (laughs) Basically, they were just tracking the way better social life that this dress has than me. So it's going all over the world. I think Hush. that's kind of my favorite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, thanks very much. But I was like, to be fair, like I actually am not going to half the places in yeah, this dress. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just kind of meeting all of the people who shared that piece and um, oh, and just hearing all the stories that it went on. And I think that's my the favorite, like my favorite thing that's kind of come out of new is just like the connection that you get and the fact that like that dress. I don't know how I would feel about it if I had if it hadn't had all of those experiences and it didn't tell all of those stories Mm. and I guess we kind of want to look at the pieces on new as they're shared and as they're swapped um as like is the most valuable piece the one that has the best stories um rather than just Mm. the one that was maybe most expensive Mm. or and I think that's what's quite nice as well is that people are sharing brands from across the board and we really don't look to uh, not accept pieces. There's like an approval process to make sure everything would be shared or swapped. Um, but we we think it's really important to kind of keep fast fashion brands really heavily in the mix because so many people love them and that's their that's their pieces that they would buy themselves. And we've seen mm. a really, really high uptake in that. And I think the fact that you don't have to pay, you're not like renting the pieces per item or anything. Um, it takes away the whole, you know, what is the value of this item? in monetary terms which is so arbitrary depending on what brand decided to kind of put on it yeah um and instead just looking at like do I really love this piece like I'd actually love to have this piece in my wardrobe or would I love to share this piece for a night if I am going to a wedding so um yeah there's definitely been some kind of standout stories that have come out of it too that's so nice yeah I love that that's a really good point about keeping those sort of fast fashion brands on there and also that thing that you said about how you think about that dress now it has so much more value yeah. Whereas it just probably wouldn't if it had stayed just sitting in your wardrobe, right? Absolutely. That's yeah. so interesting. I, I hadn't even thought of it like that. But yeah, you kind of, you fall in love and value the things you rent more because yeah. 
you've seen the enjoyment that they've given people which is absolutely yeah that's so nice so nice (laughs) I wanted to also talk to you as well about um Selfridges um now Selfridges yeah yeah, I think it's called Project Earth they if people haven't heard about this they're going to start offering rental items totally stealing your idea uh, and repair (laughs) services and the idea is apparently um which made me feel very excited is it's to attract younger people um so that's I, I think that's really encouraging in a way because um I mean I'm not that young anymore so it's quite <laughs> nice to think like oh okay they've done loads of research on this so it must be that must be the way that fashion's going what's your sort of thoughts on it when you heard this yeah story? so they've partnered with her which is um a rental platform startup who's uh yeah just brilliant like just a really really great startup and I think what's great about it moving into Selfridges is it kind of gives you an indication that the fast fashion model is on its way out as well if you have people who are understanding and I think obviously from a business perspective it's going to really change things you know it's 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 brands starting to look at what they own as resources rather than just a simple transaction and once it's gone from them yeah and I think what's really amazing is you're starting to look what I would kind of see it as is it's like Rent the Runway which has been going in the US for kind of 10 years Mm. and although they didn't start off as a department store they kind of started off where they house all the clothes as like in a virtual department store and people can subscribe to actually rent all of their pieces yeah and there's some environmental impacts of that just like dry cleaning they're like one of the largest dry cleaners in the world and logistics but yeah or sorry in the US um oh, wow. but 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 what you what you realize is like those problems are solvable and if there's enough people working on that kind of model in different places you're going to end up with a solution ultimately so I think what's brilliant is it's going to start getting people into the habit of not owning things completely and understanding mm-hmm. when they actually use clothes and for what circumstances and what are the things that they actually want to keep it also gives people the chance to experiment in a way that they're not tied to it so they don't Mm -hmm. have to just buy something realize that it actually doesn't suit them and then it's their you know what are they going to do with it and so like a huge amount of waste comes from returns and all the things that don't eventually actually find a home Mm -hmm. so I think it's just brilliant that it's been um looked at in such a holistic way and they're kind of doing it in so many different parts of Selfridges and not just kind of they're looking at sustainable brands that are going to be taken in. And I think that's a big shift from just, you know, core brands that would be always kind of the top of the luxury sector yeah. or, and, and looking at like, I really like the way it's being done in rental because it is this kind of accessibility. Like if you're, if you're looking at um so many designers that people can't access because they are too expensive for that person's price range, at least yeah. they can start to trial them through a rental process and also it means that they get introduced to these sustainable designers that they actually may never have had the chance to meet so I think all around it's just such a big and even to have they have like um a huge banner that says like we need to change the way we shop like that is such a statement to have in the heart of London and there's so much press around it it's like a real indication that if you don't change the business is going to die and Mm -hmm. so it's just so encouraging to kind of see that like, okay, if that if that's come in for something like Selfridges and the need is that imminent, um, and I guess that the will is there from a brilliant sustainability team, it's gonna it's gonna make change um in other parts of the sectors. So it's just really important to kind of have that um, you know, reaching the mainstream. There's gonna be loads of people who shopped at Selfridges that really have never had an interest in sustainability. And mm-hmm. we can't pretend to ourselves that those people are gonna get interested just by you know loads of these different new solutions that are popping up like it's it's going to take Selfridges or like really big brands to ultimately change their mind or get them on board so mm. um I think it's really encouraging to see and I hope that other brands kind of take the nod from that as well 
Yeah, that's such a good point. I hadn't thought about so many things that you mentioned there. It's it's such a positive step. Unfortunately, mm. I've started with the good thing. I realised I should have started with the bad thing now. Have you seen <laughs> the mis Have you seen the misguided doc? Oh yeah, <laughs> God. Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah. That's I don't know. It makes me so angry. Like so angry. Um, I their sort of brand yeah. of feminism and the sustainability greenwashing just make me go. Ugh. Yeah, why have I they think- been given this platform? I think it's most frustrating because there's so many people who will watch that and um again young people impressionable yeah. people who might buy into the fast fashion industry exactly and I think when there's an underlying tone that they're trying to make you believe something that simply isn't true it breaks a lot of trust and it can really break the trust for the sustainability movement overall and it's just I think it's a very dangerous place to be and I think actually like Channel 4 kind of giving them the like mouthpiece to be able to kind of present their business in a, in a light that they that I know I don't think is fair um is is really difficult to come to terms with because you know sustainability and climate change has become so urgent and we have such a limited amount of time to really fix this problem if you have this exasperated by just just a whole series that's simply untrue or like does not actually paint the fact like if you're saying the feminism is involved in this business model and you say you have feminist t-shirts and you're all about women and you don't even show what you pay your garment workers and you don't go and show a real like and there's also like I think in the Times report there's like a massive gender pay gap there's like a lot of different things that are going on within that business itself it's just to kind of say, like, are we in the age where businesses still get to decide their own propaganda? And, like, what what does that kind of say about, yeah, I don't know, like, fake news? And, like, do you, like, when is it really true what we're fed? And, like, if you have, like, so much airtime and, like, you know, we talk so much about how you need to have balance and, like, not one biased panel and, like, TV shows and, like, all of this kind of stuff. But it doesn't seem to come into, like, you know, documentaries or people being able to just put their own content out there and, like, I do understand that it's important to kind of show like homegrown businesses and different things that have happened. But like, are we really at the stage that we're showing that to to people who pay God knows what to their workers and to make cheap clothing that's really polluting? And um, and I guess like using like a lot of sexualization in their ad campaigns and like that's really being fed to young people and Mm. it's really bought into the Instagram mindset. And there's a huge amount of difficulties, especially in mental health that comes along with that. And I think it's just, you know, it's just difficult because people are going to watch that and they may not have any outside context to be able to watch that within. And that's, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's quite unfair yeah. that they're kind of being fed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's such a shame because I feel like Channel 4, and, and I, it will have been made by a production house and I work a little bit in time yeah, TV. Yeah. So, but I just do feel like they do sort of mention all of the stuff a few years ago when they lost loads of money because they were, um, you know, involved in sort of people say, saying that they were using um, uh, all of these like essential sweat factories. But mm. it just feels like so many things are whitewashed and even some of the girls who work there, you know, like hammering down the cost of things and even talking about their own sort of like feelings of low self-esteem when they look at the pictures that they're putting out there and I think one girl even said I haven't watched all the episodes one girl even said about some of the larger models oh some of them make more money so they keep themselves larger and I was like I is I what like yeah is that true I highly doubt that like yeah and I think it's 
I think it's like, it's almost like you're watching a show that spills a lot of facts with no context or no fact check. Yeah. And even like hammering down the prices, nobody, like everyone who doesn't understand what happens in the supply chain is going to think that that's girl boss hardcore negotiating and that's what you do Mm. whereas when you understand the supply chain you realize that that factory the implications that are going to happen in that factory because the price is so low is catastrophic for workers and they're essentially agreeing to anything to just get that order in and it's a race to the bottom yeah but you don't have any of that context shared and and it's just you just kind of wonder at what point are people going to start to understand that or like will they ever understand that and and I think I do think misguided have got a severe amount of backlash, which is is good to see, and and that the press are really taking this on board and kind of questioning it. Mm. But just to talk about fast fashion in such um an amazing light, and like to really discuss it in a way that's like yeah. um celebratory, or you know, it's it's, it's just it really so odd, isn't it? And even like I, the cap- yeah. capitalism of it, it's like oh really? This in twenty twenty with with in this economy with this yeah. kind of change, you're really talking about like hammering down the cost it just feels yeah like I think so it's almost outdated. just borderline kind of dangerous that you're like mm. we actually can't have these conversations going unchecked anymore because we understand fully the consequences that happen when we don't fully check ourselves so like we're, we're just simply running out of time now yeah I know and it's so funny I feel like having watched it I think the I mean I do work in voiceovers don't want to um but I just want <laughs> I realized that the girl who does the voiceover is a woman from Love Island who they hired as one of their models Olivia Wilde and I just think if you pick okay. anyone else to be a little bit more critical rather than someone who is literally part of it it could have been a much more balanced look at misguided um yeah if I anyone just wonder from if they the ever would have put it out if it was balanced you know right. it's like they why would they the put access. it out if it's going to show what actually happens yeah yeah um so we always ask our guests two questions Ashling. so obviously plastic is an item that's not really going anywhere i do think it's been amazing especially in t- i always say in terms of like uh, medical procedures and things mm. like that yeah um so is there a non-single use plastic item in your life that you're like actually yeah i'm pretty grateful for that that's my favorite plastic item oh I know everyone struggles with this one. I'm like my vinyl collection, maybe my laptop, <gasps> microphone, that kind of oh, stuff. Oh, my laptop. I love my laptop. It's like, Do you I thought it broke off? last week. <laughs> I switched it off because I went away for a weekend and I'd say it hasn't been switched off in about a year and then it just wouldn't turn on. And my boyfriend was like, it's okay. Strike. Like you might need to get a new one at six years old. And I was like, that's not the point. It's been with me through so much. <laughs> Like it's just it's just everything that I wanted, and I'd say also my um my Beats headphones. I just I just love them because I actually moved to London, and the first thing that got stolen off my head was my Beats Shut up. <laughs> headphones. Shut up off your head. And I oh I just love oh, them so much, man. and I had them for years, and I'd like redecorated the cushions to like because they'd all fallen off. Um. But I just, I just can't live without them because, yeah, obviously I was a music student and I'm so mad for music and it's like the only thing that I, I need in my day. So nice. I'd say that's probably, um, yeah, the most important. Your environmental hero as well, please, Ashling. Oh. So I think, and I think, so you interviewed Sophie from Birdsong, did you? Yes, yes. I did, during yeah. lockdown. And I was so like, I, think... I just had a little cry. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we, were, we were both being like, COVID is so weird. She's so lovely. <laughs> 
so I that's the only I've, thing like, I bought in lockdown actually I bought something from Birdsong oh yeah so I think I'm mm. kind of like can I do three really rough ones like three ones of course you can <laughs> so I love I love multiple I Sophie Sophie from so Sophie Slater started Birdsong which is a um like a kind of sustainable and, and ethical brand that's made in East London and she actually took part in the Bethnal Green Ventures program which we started new from it's like a tech for good accelerator oh, cool. and I just remember looking at everything that Birdsong had done and always done it the right way and just built this whole community and affected so many people and Sophie was just had kind of led this but was you know so humble about it and just kind of I guess taught us so much as you know how do you start a business like this in the right way um so we just I don't know she's just been um just a really great role model for like how deep do you go into things to make sure that they're right and like it's just been amazing to kind of watch and mm-hmm. uh, secondly I definitely say Aja Barber for information and kind of knowledge base so Aja Barber does Instagram but also runs a Patreon and they deep dive into a lot about race a lot about fast fashion a lot about sustainability and how they all kind of marry together and I think just getting a different perspective on how fast fashion affects different people who aren't me you know like a a white woman Mm. from Ireland who's you know got a lot of opportunities in my life um Mm. has been really really eye-opening and and so important and then third I'd say like Jane Goodall (laughs) just as like a conservationist and just someone who's I guess um spent their entire life looking at conservation and she just said a really nice um piece one day she has like a whole master class on that kind of master class uh site where you can yes. just do loads of different so things. tempted by that it, yeah I actually I actually bought her master class and loved it and well never got quite obsessed with it <laughs> <laughs> but she someone kind of asked her um like how do you kind of talk to people about how you know we need to protect um like humans aren't the only species that live on this planet and how mm. do we really look after animals and everything else that kind of lives in the world and remember that the environment I guess would be way better off if humans weren't here probably um and she just kind of said like if if people don't understand um what animals bring to the world and what other species bring to the world like they probably never had a pet and I was like that is so true because when you have like I've had a dog all my life and my dog is right there looking at me right now (laughs) but she I think it was so true because like I've obviously felt like my dog has a personality the whole time can't live without them like they're part of the family they are angry at you sometimes they're real cheeky sometimes they're just like in every way you have a relationship with them like you do everyone else I just thought it was really way of kind of bringing back to the fact that like we're all connected we're all related um and that she's kind of seen that for her whole life and so many animals that we'd never really get to actually come in contact with in person Mm -hmm. um so I just like loved yeah just really what all of those three women have brought to sustainability and I think it's it's kind of nice to have role models who are you know quite far away and and to look up to but also ones that are quite close and accessible because like that's equally as important because it makes you also feel that it's like okay like you can watch someone really doing something that inspires you that's close to home yeah um, and that kind of like lets you you build it up as well yeah that's yeah. such a that's such a good point as well having like people up on pedestals but also people who are like oh this is like a peer or someone that I'm like yeah can really learn yeah. from and appreciating things that people around you do as well because sometimes because they're not they don't have like accolades about it or they they're not in time magazine or something it doesn't mean that their contribution is actually any less because i i would say people affect change all of the time um in far greater ways than they'd ever imagine really Mm, yeah exactly we can't all be david attenborough
Yeah. <laughs> I had such fun chat with Ashton Byrne from New recently. I hope you enjoyed it too. They are trialing some fun things like permanent swaps, as she mentioned, and a way to help you shoot your clothes if you don't have a willing housemate or a tripod to help, which is definitely one of the things that's delayed me getting my stuff up on the site, I have to say. You can search for New, N-U-W, in the App Store. Find out more at thenewwardrobe.com or find them on social media at We Are New. And check out the show notes for a link to the article Ashling mentioned about the dress which has had a better social life than her. It's from the Irish Times and it's in the show notes along with some other interesting articles I thought you might like all about new. Okay, on to today's eco life hack. It's got to be about fashion really, hasn't it? Make friends with your local tailor. Repairing, revamping, taking a hem up, adding a panel if you've outgrown something um, is a much more sustainable way to get more life out of your clothes and stay away from fast fashion. Also, you're basically supporting a small business, aren't you? So I highly recommend doing that if you live in an area with a tailor. Also, I was reminded of another great tip by the brilliant Arja Barber, who we talk about a lot on this podcast, the sustainable fashion writer. Um fast fashion if you buy it and it breaks you're unlikely to get a refund they are not going to be super helpful if you've had it more than five minutes if you buy from a smaller brand a more sustainable brand or if you're lucky enough to have high ticket items they'll probably repair it for you maybe even give you a brand new item even if you've had it for years so remember that might even be worth an email you never know so that's it for today's episode of the Age of Plastic podcast. We're going to be back next week chatting about your gob, more specifically about bamboo brushes, something we've never covered on the podcast so far. I'm going to be speaking to Tommy Eaton from Bamboo Brush. That's bamboo with two U's, all the U's today, uh, next time on the Age of Plastic. Until then, don't bother with gender reveal parties, especially if they involve explosives. See you next time.